Welcome to the Goracom podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to another production of Beyond the Press Release. Guys, today's topic, if you believe in the future of psychedelics and its unbelievable impact on, on mental wellness, bipolar treatment, depression, and all these things that affect people, especially after COVID, you're going to love this interview today with Delic. You got to love that name, psychedelic, Delic. Tracing Canada stock symbol DELC, and for our friends in the U.S., DELCF. With us is co-founder, executive chairman Matt Stang. For those who are new to the story, to understand Delic, you first have to understand and you have to believe that psychedelics are going to go through a parabolic, paradigm-shifting growth cycle in the next five years, ten years, and even well beyond that, because of their ability to treat anxiety, depression, and other mental illnesses. Where, quite frankly, Status quo biopharma hasn't been doing that well. And the timing couldn't be better for society or the company because mental health problems are widespread and they're getting worse after COVID-19. Over 50 million people in the U.S. have experienced a mental health condition. 63% of Americans who have used uh, you know, traditional Rx drugs to treat anxiety, depression, PTSD say they still have symptoms. But when you look at the response, uh, response rate to ketamine treatment for depression orders, just look at 80% effective with bipolar depression, 75 uh, with major depressive disorders, on and on. That's why you want to understand that Delic is the largest profitable chain of psychedelics clinics in America. 13 locations in nine states, 15 more coming in the next 18 months, on a $9 million revenue run rate, EBITDA positive. And in 2021, they increased their net assets to $10 million from 2.1 in 2020. Let's talk about it. Matt, welcome back, my friend. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, we always love having you back because I've always said something about Delic. It's a double bonus for shareholders. One, they get to participate in a growing uh, industry. So from a, a shareholders invest from a financial point of view, they've got a great prospect for success. But the second part is you're helping out mankind, right? We're helping out society. So it can't get any better than that. Macro picture. How's consumer acceptance going with psychedelics? I mean, I think the uptake is is almost unheard of. The, the tipping point has definitely been hit. And we are at a point right now where things are just um, really moving incredibly well. Uh, I, I think not only the business we're in right now, ketamine um, and ketamine-assisted therapy, but also the other compounds coming online. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but the... Uh, Health and Human Services um, sent a letter uh, about a month ago, a little over a month and a half ago, saying that uh, telling people to get ready for MDMA and psilocybin to be um, FDA scheduled for uh, psychiatric use within two years. So I think we have a pretty firm guideline from the current administration on when they think these uh, highly highly transformative substances will be allowed on market. Um, and I think that's that's a game changer, right? The more of these things that come online, the more acceptance, the more, you know, as you said, the macro of, of when do people really think, okay, well, this is an, a, a viable alternative. I think we've passed the, let's call it early adopter stage. And we're getting up to that, you know, 20, 25% 
where it really tips to now everyone thinks it's a good idea. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing over the next year to two years. And being in this leadership position, being the largest chain in the space, really growing that lead. Um, I think it's really about just having that position as the preeminent um, space to go get these treatments uh, to really continue to, to build that lead. And we, we've also really focused heavily on insurance and insurance-based care to make it accessible. We, we think that the biggest thing is, you know, making sure that people who need these services can actually get them. And when you look at, at the vast majority of this, it's, it's a cash pay business where it becomes unavailable to, you know, 80, 90% of the population. And, and we think, especially with the inflationary pressures in the, in the world today, the more that we can make this um, insurance based, the more that we can make this accessible, uh, the better we will do at providing accessible care and the better the business will do at having um, real growth and real profitability. And I can tell you anecdotally, I've already, I've just recently had a family member who is now getting ketamine uh, treatment in the United States. And you're talking about a Greek immigrant, much older generation where you would think they would just rely on, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, but had no success there of any kind. And now, and now they're on to uh, ketamine treatment. So I think, Matt, is it fair to say we've gotten over that hump? You know, 10 years ago, psychedelics, you know, was, was for hippies. But a year ago, you know, people started recognizing it. Are we over that hump? Are we going down on the other side now where the masses are saying, I need that? we've reached that tipping point. I think we're past the tipping point. I think, you know, when, when we founded this company four and a half years ago, <clears throat> our thesis was we were coming up on a tipping point. I think now looking back, it was about two years ago that the tipping point really started tipping. And now it's everywhere. It's on Netflix, it's on Hulu, yeah. it's on the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Times Magazine and 60 Minutes and CNN has a special and have you you seen the? Have you seen this? Have you seen the New Yorker piece? Have you seen, yes, yes, yes. I get sent stuff every day. Now. <laughs> a massive media organization saying, "Is this the future of mental health?" The answer, in most cases, from these organizations, yes. Because guess what? Like you said, um, it doesn't work. Look at the the giant story on SSRIs not actually being effective for depression. Um, that they were going after the wrong receptor, and so that's why there's so many failed uses horrible to all those people you know it's terrible and and the effect is life or death right it's not just a it's not an analytical conversation about well this could be it's like those people who are stuck in their bubble who can't get out wind up hurting themselves or others and that is a horrible thing that we know we can stop and we have technology that actually has the potential to stop it and you know we're at the forefront of that change. And we, we see in the next couple of years, a massive uptake because people are just looking for alternative means of care. They're looking for alternatives to the failed mental health regimes that are out there and they, they want to get better, right? I think that's the biggest thing. Just desperately, like your, desperately they want to get better. Your family member, like my co-founder and wife who found uh, ketamine therapy and has just changed her life markedly for the better. It's, it is life affirming and life changing. And so, how much, how much of a catalyst, Matt, uh, is this coming out of COVID period? Because now we're starting to see, I watched Bill Maher the other day, and he just talked about the catastrophic collateral damage to the psyche of everyone from young kids 
to senior citizens. How much of a, unfortunately, but we have to ask him, how big of a catalyst has that been where people are almost more desperate than ever uh, to get help? Well, I think, you know, when I say, uh, when I said in 2020, when we first started, you know, really pushing the, the ketamine business, um, what, what was your total addressable market? I said, oh, 18, 20% of the population. Today, it's more like 60 or 80%, right? How many people have some form of PTSD from the last three years? Uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, how many people are have anxiety? Everybody. How many people are depressed? You know, a strong minority of the population uh, after this couple of shitty years. So do I think that there's a, just a, a huge uptick in mental health conditions? Yes. Do I think what's out there right now doesn't work? Of course. Yeah. And do I think we have a technology that actually helps people? Yes. And we, we can show it scientifically. You went through some of our numbers. Those are based on you know, almost 100,000 patients through our doors and, and the results that they've gotten, it's, it's staggering how much better people who thought they had no chance. I get, I get these emails once every couple of days from someone who sends a review, puts it on Google about their experience and with our, one of our clinics. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm choking up because it's like, people are like, I couldn't have lived if I hadn't have gone yeah, through this. Beautiful double, I, double so bonus. Beautiful. And it, you know, it's, it's transformative. And so I, I am incredibly grateful that I get to be a part of making people better. It's one of the greatest things that I've ever done. So let's talk, that's the macro picture. Let's talk micro about Delic itself. I want to talk about success of your clinics, first from a patient point of view, and then from a financial point of view, because we are in the capital markets and you do have shareholders, your public company, your clinic specifically, you know, you're the largest chain in the U.S., how well are your clinics performing from a you know patient point of view, and then how well are they performing uh, performing financially? Sure. Uh, well, I think from a patient point of view, it's never been better. We're seeing incredible results with people. We're seeing you know, nice uh, with our proprietary tech and and the treatment platform, we're seeing eighty plus percent success rates with people who are awesome um, considered dead enders, you know, people who have gone through multiple treatments, nothing works, they have no chance, they might as well just go away, right? But no, it is, that is not the case. They're just, the, the, the current technology is just not there for helping people with mental health disorders. And then on a business side, you know, we've seen an incredible uptick, like I was talking about, you know, with the insurance side of the business. Um, we just got in network with the VA and with Community Care, which is their uh, community care network for veterans. And, you know, we're the first ones with that um, multi-state veterans platform for psychedelic mental health care. And, you know, I think <clears throat> seeing that change has been amazing. Hearing from those people as they get access to this technology is amazing. And also, you know, like I talked about before, MDMA is less than two years out and MDMA will be approved for treatment-resistant PTSD, of which over 50% of the treatment-resistant PTSD population are veterans. Um, so having that naturally, yeah, uh, having that already existent care network with the Veterans Administration, I think will give us a huge leg up as we go into that next phase of psychedelic compounds coming online. And you know, I think those those folks, as they come through it, 
will be incredible standard bearers for the change in mental health care because it's one of the few things that um, the hyper-partisan politics of the United States can agree on. As we saw two months ago when they, the Republicans tried to not pass the burn pit bill and got into a total meltdown. Um, you know, I think it doesn't, you can't play politics with our veterans because they literally protect our lives and freedom. And so I think the more you see it, you, you've already seen it with former governor Rick Perry coming on board and saying that psychedelics have to be legalized and getting test uh, panels set up in Texas. And, you know, it's, it's just, if you have, if you see things just strictly on a human basis with veterans and see the damage done to their psyche by the service and especially the, the kind of war on terror um, years that created so much PTSD, you can't help but support this change in technology, right? And Long so, overdue, man. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. John Stewart, you know, the burn pit legislation, John Stewart led a delegate delegation right to Capitol Hill. I watched it live on, on the news on and CNBC. It was and, and he was going there to watch it pass and then it didn't pass. And then he didn't leave until it passed, which was amazing. And he held all of those accountable feet to the fire. And he said, you can't lie. Here's what you were going to pass. It hasn't changed. You have to pass it. And they tried to shirk it and they tried to run and they got tarred so hard that they passed it. Because once again, it is one thing that is bipartisan, right? You want to support people who support our country and keep it free. Pretty simple. Now, you, you want to support everybody, but especially those that put their life on the line exactly. to make sure we don't have to. Uh, what does it say? What does it say, Matt, that you've got this partnership uh, you know, with the Veterans Administration Community Care Network, uh, you know, what, what does it say about your uh, abilities and how good you guys are at what you do? What kind of third-party validations that bring? Yeah, well, I, I think it really comes from the deep background of our team in working with veterans groups for years. We've had a, a hero discount at our clinics for years. We've given nice. at cost treatments for years and really work through the process of helping veterans. And through that, we built relationships and showed the folks at the local VAs that we really actually do care about making these people's lives better. And so they've given us the, uh, the opportunity to work within the system and help more people because, you know, the having it covered by insurance changes that, you know, even if they're paying at cost, it's still, hundreds of dollars out of their pocket. Whereas if they can come in through insurance, they can come in, you know, just as they need to. It doesn't have to come out of their pocket. And, it, and this is one of the things, you know, you look at people who are going through depression, anxiety, PTSD, and it's hard for them to make enough money to pay for these type of treatments, right? Because if they're stuck in that, it's hard to live that normal life that gets you the money to pay for things yeah, get your job promotions and all the things that come with it so it's like a it's a it's a, it's a cyclone down it's just circle right and so we want to help be part of the virtuous cycle where we pull them out of it and so that's really why for us being accessible working with insurance is so incredibly important and building that business out so in the next two years we're at 80 percent insurance or 90 percent insurance and you know we have a leadership space work with this, the large payer commercial insurers to, to create high quality care that is reproducible across all the states they work in. 
And so they understand what the care looks like and they can run samplings of their patients who come to us versus the ones who don't. So they can see how they're actually saving money by doing this. And that's really what the insurance companies are looking for. And you know, no matter how many numbers you run across the whole spectrum of psychedelics and treatment and success, financial payoff for insurers, it always comes down remarkably in favor of psychedelics, right? Like it's never even close. Do the numbers ever come in? Ah, eh, borderline. I don't think so. Every time I see numbers on psychedelics, it's just a blow away. You have to do this from a financial point of view, for insurance yeah, companies, exactly. from a treatment point of view. If you look at like one hospitalization for uh, suicidality or mental health crisis, you've just blown more than years worth of psychedelic care, right? So it's if, if you look at the success rates in the 60 to 80% range, and you're talking about high risk, high cost patients who are now not at high risk and not going into hospitals. The math is pretty simple. You're saving tens of thousands of dollars as an insurance company by spending hundreds or low thousands of dollars for their treatment. So, you know. And you almost don't want to break it down to a numbers thing, but if that's the game. No, that's, that's what they do. They're actuarial companies that take right. cash and they have to balance that out. That's literally their job is to try to take in and then balance it and keep as much in the kitty as possible so that they make a profit for their investors. And so, you know, it that is their business. And so I, I just think we have a very good um, cost benefit analysis for them that makes it really worth it for them to cover this type of treatment. So you've got consumer acceptance on your side and just growing. You've got legislation on your side because you mentioned earlier about in a couple of years, MDMA and, and uh, is going to become legalized as well. You got the insurance uh, uh, equation at your back. How? What's your vision for the company over the next five years? With it seems like everything is just is just at your back now. Can Delic be stopped? Uh, I certainly don't think so. My, my feeling is that we can be, you know, like a Davida. <coughs> Uh, you know, just a, a radiology partners, like a, a very large scale reproducible clinic model that's in every city in this country. And I think that's, that's a valid place to be where we can have hundreds of clinics because these clinics only need about a hundred patients a month to be very successful. Um, and as we talked about, you know, that would be a hundred clinics would only be about 10,000 patients a month. a month and you're talking about 20 30 percent of the population 40 50 60 70 80 100 million people and really you know maybe it's it's a million who need it every year because there's a cycle through but that's still a very large total addressable market that we only need a small fraction of to make it an incredibly successful business so yeah we, we see ourselves uh maintaining this lead growing to be a multi-hundred site uh, clinic wow. that that's, sits across the country that is one of two or three large chains that people know and, and uh, feel connected to when they think about this type of care that have great relationships with the large insurance companies. And, and um, you know, that when you think of psychedelic care, you think of us. Let me ask you that because I was just making notes as I was writing down. You're, that, that's why that's why I was writing writing Matt, which is how are you going to go about? Talk to us about your again going back to now capital market side. We got to talk like 
you know, executive chairman and uh, investor side. Where does your growth come from primarily? Organic, M&A? Because to get to several hundred clinics, that's not cheap. Um, how do you get there? Great question. You know, I, I think it's organic growth um, with probably some M&A sprinkled in. Um, but, you know, what we've seen is that we can really, we can do this. We can take a couple hundred thousand dollars, open a place, get it to profitability in six to nine months, and, and then wow. get it to large amounts of cash flow in a year and a half. And so I think that's that's a real model, you know, and we can open, like you said, 15, 20 of these every year, no problem. So if you look at a four or five year run rate, I think you you get to a place of easily getting to 100, maybe 150, 200, depending on how you sprinkle in acquisitions along with organic growth. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up very quickly the, the financial model there, because you probably have people at home thinking, what does it cost to open a new clinic? Five, $10 million? Because we all think of the traditional medical clinics with a lot of equi expensive equipment and it costs millions. But if you're saying it could take a you know, couple hundred thousand dollars to get a clinic up and running, it doesn't make it difficult at all. No, uh, and, that's and then all you need is a friendly financier to come along and say, George Com says, hey, Matt, I got $5 million for you. I'll be your partner on each one of these. I got the cash. You just provide me some decent return on yeah, a exactly. note or something like that. And you could grow as fast as you want, right? That's exactly how we see it. We think this can be, you know, debt financed um, just because the cash flow is so real and steady. It becomes a very interesting play for someone sitting on dry powder who wants to get a return. So safe to say, Matt, is the company in the strongest position it's ever been in? And and I've got, I'm gonna ask you a devil's advocate question because I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Google or Delic or Gorecom, there's always some things that, you know, you have to be wary of weaknesses. Doesn't mean they're fatal, but we all, all our companies have weaknesses just the way it is. Is, you know, and I, and I wanna make sure everyone at home gets the full picture, devil's advocate. What's your weakness uh, at the end of the day or what maybe keeps you up at night that you have to you know, keep on top of to make sure, you know, Delic doesn't come off the rails somewhere? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it, it really comes down to people right now. It's, it's getting the right people in, right. getting that scaled out. You know, we have a, point. a large team and getting scaled up even further is going to take more people. So that keeps me up at night, making sure that we get the right people get it scaled out properly. But I, I really think, you know, now that we've gotten to this scale of 13 and a real corporate team that understands all the pieces, I think we can do that very, very knowledgeably and well, having hired and fired lots of people across this time. I think we really know what we're looking for, but it is still, you know, I, I think six months ago, just like everyone else, people became a major issue. I think it's since the tightening from the Fed and, and some of the push on the economy. I think that's gotten to be less of a huge issue, but it, it kept me up at night for a couple months for sure. And look, I'm glad you brought that up because that just tells me uh, that you're not just on here singing the Delic song and telling us all it's all unicorns and rainbows. And I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Uh, you know, people is, people find the right people was, was a real problem for a while there. Cause everyone said, I'm just gonna stay home and watch Netflix and collect some cash. And why the hell do I have to go list a matter George tell me what to do today? Yeah. Um, uh, the kind of people you attract, Matt, do they have to have medical degrees? Yeah, um, we, we require um, at least some level of medical training. So that's why it became 
especially issue filled when, you know, nurses were making five grand a week, uh, just going around doing um, random stuff for, for, uh, you know, COVID care. I think that all kind of ended in March. And so it's, it's gotten a lot back on track. And now we have a lot of people who come to us because they went through the trauma of COVID and they spent 100, 140 hours doing all this crazy stuff, making good money, but also traumatizing the heck out of themselves. And so now, you know, our uh, 40, 45 hours a week um, helping people and making them feel great <clears throat> looks like a very attractive job next to uh, the more uh, yeah, like, really, really, yeah, really, really high pressure medical situations oh, where yeah. some of the stories I heard from some of our, our nurse practitioners and people who went through the last couple of years in the, the standard medical world. Whew. Well, Not look, if you can go work in a place where people have an you know, 70, 80 percent success rate, your patients, uh, that's a pretty next to McDonald's. Right. Yeah, kid, there's not a lot of places or whatever. Happy meals out happy and just just smiling. It's like kind of amazing. And not just happy and smiling. It's not like George went in and you know had a great burger or something like that. You're talking about ecstatic. People have changed their lives. People are probably hugging your staff and and maybe even crying because they can't stop talking about how their lives and their family who was bringing them there. So I I you know it, I've got to figure kind of amazing. That's what I'm saying. Those letters I get every couple of days just you know, amazing. They've changed. Well, we got, we got to do a future, we got to do a future interview where you read some of those letters. You don't have to I read will. Names, I'm, I'm happy to read two or three. I we'll, think we we'll, should. We'll take out, you know what? I think I, I'll read you the public ones because they're publicly on Google so I can say the names. Okay. We'll do that. Last word to you, my friend. Uh, you know, the year, the year is almost done. I don't know how much more you have uh, to do uh, outside of the standard growth and things you're achieving. But you know, what should shareholders look for in 2023? Assuming no more big, crazy macro events that kind of upend everybody, all of us, right? If everything's kind of smooth year, what, what does the year look like for Delic? I think really just uh, going to that next level and pushing towards that growth that we've talked about. So I think you'll see a lot of some interesting partnerships from us and then <clears throat> real uh, push towards that large growth trajectory. So. I think people are going to be excited to be shareholders, uh, you know, happy to have people on board and, and love to answer any questions anyone has. Matt, thanks for joining us as always, man, because you don't speak like a CEO. You speak like someone who really, really cares about this and gives us insight that we otherwise can't get from a lot of people on the psychedelic space. So uh, like I always say, thanks for joining us. Thanks on behalf of all shareholders, because I'm one for what you've done for you know the value you're building, even though today it's not reflected, but that's everybody's problem. That's not Delic's problem. Uh, and for giving us a company that we can believe in also, because we know we're doing great things. Thanks for, thanks for building a great company. Thanks, George. It's a pleasure. To everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening to my podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform, to Matt Stang. He's co-founder, executive chairman at Delic. Trades in Canada and stock symbol DELC for friends in the US, DELCF. For those new to the story, you love psychedelics, you love its potential, and you want to learn more, get to Delic's profile page on Agoracom, find out everything you need to know about the company. And then once you've got that knowledge, head over to the Delic website, do your deep dive due diligence. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time.
Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then, don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform, so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap podcast.